Welcome to Compassionately You. Here, we host conversations in vulnerability and hopes to help and motivate others. My name is Brie Luganbill and I am your host. I love to have different guests on to talk about a personal journey that they went through. Sometimes it focuses on internal growth. Sometimes it does focus on body image as well and how that affects our overall being as a person. Thank you so much for being here today. Happy Monday, everyone. This is Brie of Compassionately You. Today, I have a special guest. Her name is Connie Flax. Hi, Connie. Hey. So, Connie and I know each other from the Better Body Image Conference. She is a co-founder of that, but she also has been a ballerina for eight years with the GR Ballet, and she also is on a board of a nonprofit called Slow Food West Michigan. So, she wears many hats. Tell us a little bit about each of your different interests in these. Yeah, so I moved to Grand Rapids to dance with the ballet company, Mm -hmm. and I was pretty young when I did that, and very, very focused. So I got here, and I got into that job, and loved it, and the community of the company is really tight-knit, so you're working with these people, you're very vulnerable with them, you spend a lot of time with them, and I really enjoyed that, but growing up I had always had friends that weren't dancers as well, and so I felt like I wanted to figure out where else I could meet people in the community. And for me, that meant like doing some other things that I cared about. So I knew I cared about food and I started to get involved in some different food organizations. I did um, something called Food Not Bombs for a little while, which is like an anarchist group that tries to like live outside of the system and save food that's been thrown out. Oh, that's awesome. Um, And then I was involved in a group called No GMO for Michigan. And as my priorities with food evolved, I found slow food, which really focuses on like pleasure around eating. And so I started volunteering with them and trying to share that idea of like food should be something pleasurable that nourishes you both like health wise, but also like socially and relationship wise. So that was my first like big volunteer thing. And then um, two years ago, I met Bree. I met you. <laughs> and talked about my idea for a, a movie showing around body image and felt like that wasn't being discussed in the community at large and that just spiraled into the body image conference. So I guess getting to wear all the different hats like helps me to meet different people, which I love um, and helps me to express a lot of different sides of myself rather than being um, boxed into one specific identity. Definitely. So, um, channeling back to the food systems, because you mentioned some really interesting things there. With the group that you were part of that you said was more like anarchist, was there any like dumpster diving? Because I've heard of that, (laughs) and some people I know do that, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, so this was fascinating to me. I was um, vegan at the time and had this vegan cookbook I loved, and she wrote in it about this group called Food Not Bombs. 
and I really trusted this cookbook author. So when I moved here, I was like, oh, is there one of those groups? And there was one led by a couple of college students. And so on Saturday nights, we would drive. Best dumpster diving season is winter. So we would like drive to Aldi on 28th Street and you open the dumpster and I was expecting like trash and flies and raccoons and it's mostly like plastic wrapped, like slightly old food. Mm -hmm. So it's not like rotting banana peels, like everything is still pretty separate. And it's packaged. And packaged. Yeah. And the grocery stores often throw out that food because they have a new shipment coming in, even if it's not going bad. Or, like, it's past its expiration date, but it's not actually bad. Or it has too many brown spots. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, like, very salvageable food that gets thrown out. Yeah. And so you, like, hop in the dumpster and you grab the food. And then we would take it home with us. And the next morning, Sunday morning, we'd wake up. We'd cook it at one of our houses. Um, I think my specialty was, like, you would take the, the bread loaves and then the bananas and add some spices and make, like, a bread pudding. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and then we'd serve it at a park, like Cherry Park or Veterans Park downtown, and anyone who was walking by could eat it. So, like, legal? Questionable. But it was a really interesting experience showing me about food waste. Yes. About how much food goes to waste, and also just about some of the flaws in the food system at large, especially when you take... Um, profit into account. Well, and this helps bring awareness to that. I know that in, um, let's see here, so Panera, they have so much bread, and eventually they have to all get rid of it. Right. And not very many organizations do this, but with them, they've partnered with our church, and so they, they donate those leftovers, and then it goes to the church where anybody can take it home or we can give it out to anyone that might be in need of that. But more organizations need to do that. And so that's where the systems come in. Mm-hmm. And I know that those types of systems take money and they take time and they're probably, it might be questionable if they're sustainable and how to like donate, but right. that means we need to figure out a system. <laughs> yeah, there are some really cool programs so. in, I think in European countries, like ugly fruit programs that they take produce that's specifically like uglier, mm-hmm. um, that isn't the perfect shiny apple or isn't the ideal shape for fruit, and then they sell it at a discounted price through this program. Have you heard of the Instagram, or were you the one that told me there's like an Instagram called Ugly Fruit, or I don't know, there's something out there? And they post photos of really, like, ugly fruit. I don't think I have, but that's fantastic. (laughs) I'll have to find the actual handle, because it's hilarious. Or just in weird shapes, like, that make faces or whatever. So you're getting people used to not that, like, plastic-wrapped, fake fruit kind of look. Yeah. And more able to accept that, like, things might taste good, even if they don't look... (laughs) Even if they don't meet this ideal standard of beauty and fruit. Right? If they don't look (laughs) uniform, because it's not that way. Like, if you have your own personal garden. I remember last year, some of my cucumbers were really large. Other ones were really small. Gourds were unbalanced looking. They weren't perfectly symmetrical. It was just, that's just what it was. And sometimes, like, the tastiest things are not the most beautiful things. Or, like most typically beautiful things yeah which kind of can lead into other other conversations which is so funny parallel to body image yeah (laughs) oh my goodness so i would call you a body image activist 
that I feel that very strongly just because of the different work that you've done and I mean creating co-creating a community event about that that's an activist so what got you into wanting to be an activist in that way yeah so I think part of it was being female um but definitely like the what flipped the switch for me was going into dance as a career because there are really strict standards of appearance for female bodies in our culture. But I think especially for dancers, there's a very um, outlined ideal of how you should look. Mm-hmm. It's like the best dancers are tall with long necks, thin, long legs. So you know immediately like where you don't measure up on that. And when you're trying to get a job, when you're training really intensely, you want to fix as much of those parts as you can fix. And the one that you're led to believe is the most manipulatable is your weight. Mm -hmm. So for me, it really came um, from a place of trying... I guess sometimes I would have called it a diet. Sometimes I would have called it trying to eat healthy or... But trying to find something that gave me the ballet look that I was going for. And I suppose that I quote-unquote succeeded at times, but I never felt successful because even if I was meeting like the ballet standard, I kind of knew inherently that I wasn't representing my body as it actually wanted to be represented. So if I like got compliments, I'm like, oh, you look so good. Like it never fully hit home for me. Be like, shoot, they're like, like complimenting me on something that like isn't actually me. Mm. So I always had that kind of like nagging feeling and it really like messed with me for a long time being, being in dance, you're critiquing yourself in the mirror, you get your yearly reviews by your boss and often weight or how your body looks can come up in those yearly job reviews. Mm -hmm. Like you need to work on this. Um, there can be comments made by partners, there can be comments made by colleagues, and it's really hard to escape from because you're in front of the mirror like eight hours a day, you eat every day, and you're trying to deal with this thing. So eventually I was like, I want to go talk to a therapist, and that Mm -hmm. was very helpful. Um, actually not at first. The first therapist I went to looked at me and was like, I don't think you have a problem. Because I was telling her I was binge eating. And she was like, you're small. You don't have a problem. Yeah, she did a judgment based on appearance. Yeah. Which is... And, like, eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes. Yep. So, and I don't know that I had, like, a clinically diagnosed eating disorder. So I don't want to say that I was at a level um, equal to what some people struggle with. But I think a lot of us binge eat and it's emotional eating. I think that's kind of norm. <laughs> well, yeah. I think it's something that's very common, maybe is a better word. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's an interesting, there's some interesting, like, philosophies on binge eating versus emotional eating. Ooh. Emotional eating has, like, this huge negative connotation in our culture, and, like, everyone eats emotionally. Like, it's normal to eat emotionally. Well, and that goes back to having um, Slow Foods Mission, having it be a pleasurable experience to eat and yeah. be in community together. So Like, then emotions wh- are tied up in food. Like, how it's like we... saying you want to listen to music, not emotionally. <laughs> yeah, how can we not remove emotion from a community event that in every culture since the beginning of 
man and woman (laughs) has been about being together while eating. Like, eating can be kind of an artistic, emotional experience, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and I guess sometimes people say emotional eating, meaning, like, they're using food to to numb themselves or to try to escape from something rather than, like, enhance something. Mm -hmm. But even that, like, can be okay. Like, it's better than a lot of alternatives. Yeah. Like, it's okay once in a while. So, kind of, like, lessening the intensity around people think they're so bad if they emotionally eat and then that like lack the self-compassion yes, <laughs> spirals yes. into a cycle that leads to other like poor self-care things yeah I feel like it's getting and I feel like maybe you said this at one point but getting out of your mind and just into your body I feel yeah. like that's a Connie thing it's a Connie said. thing. It's also, I want to credit Emily, our board member. Emily, okay. She's like, the answer mm-hmm. to body image issues is embodiment. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Emily. Anybody yoga? Um, so I think once we remove so much of that, man, just that baggage that we might have gone through in life that's in our minds and try to focus on what is our body telling us, Yeah. maybe that's more where... The emotional eating where, on the extreme where people say it's unhealthy, quotes, versus emotional eating that it's okay because we need to experience pleasure when we're eating and being in community too. It doesn't always have to be a goal-oriented task, aka I need to be this certain weight, I need to gain this weight, I need to lose this weight, everything's like that goal-oriented Okay, I went on a tangent. I know what I went on talking. tangents too. So. <laughs> but I think the wrap yeah. up was that I was struggling with these body image issues and finding some incredible resources online, um, like Isabel Fox and Duke and the Food Psych podcast. Um, there's Body Trust based in Portland. Like, there's some really great online resources, and I was like, but there have to be other people in Grand Rapids who feel this way and. I know there are eating disorder facilities, but what about all of us who like don't quite qualify for that, mm-hmm. but still have things around body image we want to talk about? And so I had talked with friends a little bit about like how cool it would be to show one of the movies that are made about it and have a talk after, and then I reached out to Bree, I reached out to you, and you were like, that's a great idea. Let's make it happen <laughs> and make it bigger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so that's yeah. like how the conference really came into being and it's been such a journey of like I don't know going beyond what I ever thought it would be and also teaching me more than like broadening my concept of the ways people struggle with body image and um, showing me how much which doesn't lessen my struggle, but how much privilege I have in the realm mm-hmm. of body image and learning how I can still like honor the fact that I've really struggled with it, but know that there were a lot of things on my side in that struggle still. Yeah, almost like we are allowed to be heard yeah. versus when others of different shapes and sizes want to be heard and express 
they're shamed more. Right. That's what I've been noticing as well, too. And so, yeah. So recognizing that privilege, not feeling shame on that privilege, because I have definitely felt shame about it recently. Mm -hmm. But just to relate with you, but also, yeah, I think it's taken us into a big journey of getting to have those one-on-one conversations with people on our board where we all have different backgrounds and we are just we all have different bodies and yeah. actually connecting with them in a way that because I think relational um, conversations is really where change can happen most and if it changes our perception of everything which it definitely has changed my own I feel like that's the first step to also changing more people's perceptions aka social yeah change in a locally and then larger way but it takes that I need to actually talk to someone who's different than me but we have a commonality where we both have felt body shame yeah and like we're not that different (laughs) right and that's how I feel like this has really grown um as well for both you and I it's just crazy there was, I would just watch the Brene Brown Netflix oh, special on vulnerability, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but she mentions in there that like women's number one shame trigger is body image in America. Wow. And for men, it's weakness. And then she goes off into, into that. But yeah. like that is something that for better or worse, like bonds almost all women or women identifying people in the U.S. And so... Women are very intersectional. Like, you can be different races, different sizes, um, different sexual orientations. But but we all have this, like, common instilled thing around our bodies. And that is a connecting point for a lot of women. And you see women connecting over it in, like, a self-degrading way. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, yeah, like, I feel better about myself if I don't eat dessert. But, like, I'll have a pee. Or, like, in dressing rooms, that kind of conversation of, like, oh, this doesn't fit because I don't like the way my hips look. Or Yeah. So we already connect over this thing, but, like, maybe the, I guess, the mission of the Body Image Conference is, like, how can we connect over this thing in a, in a more empowering way, in a way that helps us do something with it rather than, like, keep ourselves in it. Yeah. Like, talking about our imperfections in a way that sometimes for me it first helps to make it silly yeah and like laugh about it but not in a negative um demeaning way and then everyone else kind of can open up a little bit more and then we can actually start to like embrace and love the imperfections because like we said about the shapes of fruit we're not all going to be genetically the same exact size and that's... Not all a shiny, perfectly round <laughs> apple. No. With waxy polish on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's made in a lab. And we don't want to be that way, right? We don't want that. And so, yeah, it's it's just having those conversations and so people don't feel so alone. And I think, yeah, both, like you said before, it has grown in ways that you couldn't have seen but I also think you have grown in many ways that you might <laughs> that have not is seen true. As, as well as myself but yeah if you want to talk about it how have you grown personally but how have you also grown like professionally being 
that body image ambassador. Yeah. I mean, gosh, personally, I think I've just expanded so much, I guess. Or I think the combination of being very much a perfectionist when I was younger, um, wanting to be nice, wanting to please people, and also being like pretty high achieving and ambitious led me to want to know what the rules were and then follow them. So I like wanted the rubric of how to live and then I was going to check off everything in that rubric and get the A. Yes. <laughs> like in school, but in life. And when I was involved in ballet, at least at first, is a bit like that. It's like, this is how you do the thing. Learn the thing. Do it. Um, but then as I continued to grow, and as you check off all those rubrics, then you're like, well, then what? Mm-hmm. What's after? So I guess the personal growth was really trying to figure out like how I could make my own rubrics rather than adopting those of other things or other people. And the Body Image Conference was really helpful with that because it was something that was really coming from an internal place for me and like something that I really felt was important based on experience I had had, not based on like things people had told me. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the first step in trying to live more from a place of like, I feel that this is truthful and I feel that this is right and that it needs to be acted on. Mm-hmm. So that's, led to all sorts of other things. Um, and I feel like right now I, I'm in a huge time of transition. I'm mm-hmm. going to be moving next year. I took a job with AmeriCorps. Um, I'll be working at a farmer's market, so doing some food justice <laughs> things. But I'm also like leaving so many things that I've invested so much in and care about so much still. And it feels in some ways like a values reshuffling time, which is exciting. And also, like, really confusing and um, unmooring at times. Like, yeah, these things that have guided my life for so long are changing. So now what are going to be the guiding principles of my life? Mm-hmm. And I can feel the self in me that wants to, like, find the next rubric to cling to and, like, find the next very structured path and, like, get on it right away mm-hmm. because that feels safer. But I kind of know that right now is my time to feel a little bit like I'm floating and wait so that I can latch on to the thing that is really right for me rather than going to the closest island and, like, (laughs) swimming to it immediately just because it's there. Yeah. And knowing that we can treat, let's see, rubrics. Now I'm thinking, like, Connie's rubric for life. Yeah. They can be amended. Right. They can be changed. They can be morphed because as we grow both mentally and physically in our body image journey as well as our personal growth journey we're still that version of ourself that's always been there right but we're just we have our core beliefs still but you're navigating what those other things in between are like what is that day-to-day yeah ruling look like and it can be different yeah and then so it can be a season And I think that's hard for people like us as also a perfectionist too to relate because we're so used to being like, this is what it is. And then when we get into life and we see that it's not like it was when our parents were there, we don't just find a job and stay in it for the rest of our lives. That's not the climate anymore. It's like, well, 
I can still have so many interests and be so many things and my job or role can still be me, but it doesn't have to stay in one spot. Yeah. And like, who is you when you're not defining yourself by your job or by your relationships or by like, what do you define yourself by? Mm -hmm. And that is a big part of you. Um, You in general is defining, you can define yourself by those different parts as well. But what really matters is who you are at your core. That's what I have really been (laughs) focusing on when you feel that, oh my goodness, transitions are hard um, and change growth internally and externally is hard, but remembering those core things. So So here's a kind of body related question, but what Mm -hmm. is the actual feeling you get when you're living in alignment with your core? Ooh. Like, what is the physical sensation of that? I'm trying to think, because I think that I've... I definitely feel that, and then I'll feel, like, conflict against that when I'm tr- growing or sometimes regressing. Um, yeah, but, it's not always comfortable. Yeah, I feel like when that alignment happens, it's almost like this feeling of joy and peace at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be something as fleeting as happiness but I think happiness can be throughout and it's definitely the happiness are the peaks I think but the joy and the peace is kind of that sustainability throughout and comfort it just brings more comfort and you're not always going to feel perfectly aligned because life is going to push you in different ways people are going to push you to be better or sometimes they'll push you in ways you don't want to be pushed and then you set those boundaries yeah (laughs) so true but yeah I think that's how I would describe it thanks for asking yeah so I feel like a lot of times my um more neurotic or like I don't even want to say negative but like when I'm feeling anxious or feeling like really like Um, cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. it's in my head like I want someone to put their hands on my temples and just like squeeze and hold my head together yeah and so when that's not there I feel like a lot of the sensation moves out of my head and I feel more like um there's like a pleasant bubbling in my stomach maybe for like really joyful feelings or I suddenly notice the air more on my hands and arms when I'm, like, more present or more, like, at ease. And, like, a weight's been lifted. Sometimes, like, yeah. when you breathe in, like, if when you do meditation or just anything, like, breathing in and then out. And that it almost feels like that sometimes, too. Because I think there are certain things that we have to follow within society so we can live within our money system as well or whatever. Yeah, like we live with other people, so they're agreed upon. And so that can be sort of like that rubric that you can't break in certain ways. And that makes us, that can make us stressed or feel that or anything like that. And so I think there's that constant push and pull between who we are at our core and what we really want out of life and then okay, these are the things that I have to have to do, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you... I mean, I think you make sacrifices to be in relationship, whether mm-hmm. that's, like, a romantic relationship or it's, like, part of your community relationship. But I also think that you can be aware of, like, 
of the sacrifices you're making, I guess. And it can yeah. be a, it should be a choice still. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess what I meant was more like we have to pay a bill or something like that. Yeah. Or we have to do this or something like that. But or like we pay our taxes, but then we get roads to drive on. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking of it in those ways too, because then it doesn't feel so, oh my gosh. Yeah. But, like what are the hidden costs? Mm-hmm. I think with body image, I don't know if this is like the deepest advice ever, but the idea that you're not alone and whatever you're going through in regards to your body, like we were talking about before, almost every woman has body image issues and it feels so personal and it can feel so shameful. And there are communities out there that you can find where you can talk about this stuff and you can find other experiences that validate yours and then you can work through them with people and a lot of the healing with body image happens in relationship like both relationship to yourself and relationship to others and that you don't have to isolate yourself because of the shame that you feel around it like people will be able to hold that if you find the right people mm-hmm That's beautiful. Yeah. And some of those people are at the Better Body Image Conference. (laughs) Thank you, Connie. Yeah. Thanks for asking me to come on, Brie, and letting me talk about things. Yes. And if people wanted to connect with you, what's your Instagram? Um, Instagram is ConnieX71. I have a website, ConnieFlax.com, F-L-A-C-H-S. That hopefully will be updated soon. Right now it's mostly dance, but I'd like it to include some of the activism and some of my writing Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Yeah, I think those are the best places for the moment. Great. Thank you so much. And everybody, I hope you have a good rest of your Monday. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about today's episode, you can go to brieluganville.com slash podcast. If you'd like to join our private support group, you can find us on Facebook and search for the private group Compassionately You. If you would like to be a guest, you can email Bree at brieluganville at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great start to your week.